You're listening to the official podcast of Church Untitled, located in downtown Vancouver. We are a community set apart to bear His name, in our city, for His glory. We hope that you're blessed and enriched by this message. We're going to get right into it this morning. Um, I've got something that's sort of put together this morning. And by sort of, I mean like 10%, um, which I'm excited for because God tends to move in those spaces as we let him. And so um, I say that to kind of prompt you. That's intense. I love it. I prompt you to open up your heart into maybe an unknown or unusual space this morning, wherein it's not going to be business as usual. I think that's a beautiful thing because God desires us to move into that space frequently in our life, if not all the time. The awe and the wonder of who he is that doesn't exactly fit the box or the paradigm that we try to place him in. And oftentimes, Christmas is, a, is, is like that, where we, we, we go with the flow. We go with what's happening around us. And it, like we saw in the video, it is about Jesus, but it's also about presence. But it's about Jesus, but... It's also about presence and, we, and we, we have that in us where it's like busyness and hustle and getting all these things done. But we know deep down inside that it is about Jesus. And I love, I love the Christmas season because it tells the story about God meeting man in a way that man had no clue was coming in a really unexpected way. And it's funny how we are when we have this story. Well, it happened once and therefore it's going to happen that way every single time. Well, actually, I think within the story, we can settle on the fact that it's actually going to happen quite differently most of the time. The way that God wants to approach you, the way that God wants to heal you, the way that God wants to speak to you. We try to make it happen in ways that we're comfortable with, but the Christmas story tells us that he's going to blow our minds. And so last week, we talked about Advent. We talked about creating space in our hearts for God. And I love that, right? Because it actually gives us some tools to say, God, I don't know how you're going to come and I don't know when you're going to come, but I'm going to create this space for when you do want to come. I'm going to order my life. I'm going to practice things that are going to create the room for when you do want to speak to me. And he does. For when he does want to inundate you with his presence. And he does. He wants to do all of these things. Turn your life upside down with his goodness. That's amazing, though, for those who say yes to that. Right? Like, God, yes, I want to create space for you in my heart. But what about those among us right now, us at times, who have no emotional capacity to say, God, I'm going to give you room in my life again? What about, what about them? What about me when I'm waking up and I'm like, God, I actually don't want to create space for you in my life right now. I know I need to, but I don't want to. So the question is, if we don't create space for God, can God still come? I love the, the story that we read last week in Luke chapter 2 of Jesus coming to a town in Bethlehem and there was no room for him. And we have that song, Joy to the Root, Joy to the World. Joy to the Room. Yes, Joy to the Room. Joy to the World. Joy to the World. It says, Let every heart prepare him room. Well, great. Again, except for those people who are like, Nah, don't really want to prepare him room. Maybe it's because we're living a good life right now. We actually don't really need him in our great life. Or we've lost hope and we've tried in seasons past to give him room and he didn't show up how we wanted him to. What about those people? What about me? I don't know if you find yourself there sometimes. And so the, the story when he comes to Bethlehem, there was no room. But then he made room. 
So the question is, if you don't give room to Jesus, is he going to say, okay, there's no room, I'm not coming? Or is he going to say, okay, you haven't made room, but I'm going to find room. I'm going to come and I'm going to pursue you no matter what you think, because I actually know what is good for you. And I know what is best for you. And the way that you're looking right now is through a dimly lit lens. You're not, you don't have hope. And so hope has come. God is not asking us to have hope outside of him. He's asking us to have hope because of him. But if we, have, we, if we haven't collided with hope, what business does hope ask us to have hope? He doesn't. He says we can have hope in him. Why? Because he came and invaded our world, came into our space and says, here I am. Here is your hope. And so what do you do when there's no room in your heart for the word of God? Or the better question is this. What does God do when there's no room in your heart for his word? I just want this to settle in this morning that God will create a space in your heart for his word. It says here in Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 50, verse four, it says this, that I have been given the tongue of those who are taught that I may know how to sustain with a word him who is weary. So we're talking about people who have no hope of Jesus. Therefore, there's no room in my life for whatever you think you want to do, Jesus. I got no space for it left. I gave you hope once. You didn't come through or you didn't come through the way I wanted. Therefore, the door is closed. You're going to have to find somewhere else to go. I don't think it's within Jesus's character to say, okay, fine. I feel rejected. Therefore, I'm not going to continue to pursue you. Because he knows that he has the word, singular word, to sustain the weary. That he has whatever you need in whatever season you're going through. He has the perfect package, the perfect gift, and it is himself to sustain you in whatever you're walking through. So if I knew my wife was going through something and that I had the solution for it, yet she kept on rejecting that solution, why would I, in my love and pursuit of her, stop pursuing her? The bottom line is this. God is not giving up on you. God is pursuing you, whether you like it or not. God is creating space in your heart, whether you're into it or not. That excites me. Because no matter what idea I have about what I should be doing in life, I know that the God of the universe, the one who created me, has a better idea. And no matter how far I run from him, I cannot screw up my life enough that he cannot recover it with a word to sustain the weary. This excites me. And I'm preaching this this morning because I believe there's some people in here who need to hear this. And so we're going to read from uh, Hosea chapter 2, verse 14 and verse 15. If you could throw it up on the screen there. I don't have it right in front of me at the moment. So it says this. Therefore, I'm now going to allure her. Or in other words, seduce her. I will lead her into the wilderness and I will speak tenderly to her. There I will give her back her vineyards and I will make the valley of Accor a door of hope. It's a beautiful book in the Old Testament. It's a very prophetic book. It's God speaking to a man named Hosea about the wickedness that was in Israel. Israel being the children of God. And 
In times past, the narrative was that God was the master and Israel were the servants. That Israel would just do what God said. But in this passage, God is reframing the relationship that he has with Israel. He's saying, you're not going to call me master anymore. You're going to call me husband. I'm no longer going to relate to you as a boss. I'm going to relate to you as a spouse. And so what he does, he, he tells Hosea, it's very interesting, but it's the scripture. He says, Hosea, you're a prophet. I'm going to speak to you, but I'm going to speak to you in some peculiar ways. So I want you to actually go marry a prostitute. That's what he does. This is heavy, I know, for Christmas service, Christmas family service, but it's scripture. I want you to go marry someone who's actually given themselves to many different partners. Why? Because that's actually how I feel in relationship to Israel. I've made a covenant with Israel, but Israel has given themselves over to so many other things. So he says, I will allure her again. I will speak to her. I will draw her away from those things into what? The wilderness. This open, this barren space. Or a friend of mine called it the jungle the other day. I will allure her into the jungle. And I will speak tenderly to her there. Listen to this language. It's not about a boss and a slave. It's about a husband and a wife. But this wasn't a time in Israel's story where they were like poor and in famine. This was a time of prosperity. Like in our lives sometimes when we have everything going well. And that's the space in our life that actually does not have much room for God. Because we don't need him in the high times, right? We're not looking to him when our finances are met or, or we're healthy or relationship is going well. It's the time when those things aren't going well that we look to God. And God is telling Israel that you have given yourself over to many lovers. But I'm not going to sit here and just judge you for it. What I'm going to do is I'm going to win you back. And I'm going to create space again in your heart for my voice. I think God is speaking to some people this morning about what he wants to do in your life right now. That we have given ourselves over to things that have taken the place of God in our hearts. And God is saying, I am so much better. I have so much more. I can sustain you like nothing else can. And I want that space back. This is the story of Christmas. This is the story of Jesus coming. That the word became flesh. That God who was shrouded in mystery, that we could not con uh, conceptualize him in his fullness. We had to interpret him through the law. We had to see him in all these signs and these wonders and storms. And this is how we get a glimpse of God. But God says, listen, I need to make myself clear to them. So I will insert myself into their story. I'm not waiting until they're ready. I'm not waiting until their attitude is right. I'm not waiting until they sacrifice the right way. I am coming and there's nothing they can do to stop me. Even if they have no room, I'm going to show up in a manger. I think that should speak to some people's hearts today that God is not looking for a place that's manicured to land in your life. It could be the messiest, most jacked up situation, but if it has room for him, he's going to be there. You might try to put things together in your life. And he's like, actually, I don't even want to be over there. I want to be in the messy place. I want to be in the place that you don't think you deserve me. That's exactly where I want to go. This is the story of how Jesus approaches us in our lives. And so he says, I will woo her. I will speak to her. I will allure her back into this wilderness. I think we need to find some interesting language there. This word wilderness in Hebrew means or in Hebrew, it says midbar. 
And it literally means a wilderness. It, it means a, a desert. That was very anticlimactic, right? <laughs> it means what it says, and it says what it means. Wilderness and desert, midbar. I'm going to draw her out to a place. She has got everything over here, and I'm going to woo her away from all of those things. And in that place of barrenness, in that place of desert, in that place of jungle, I'm going to speak tenderly to her there. I'm going to speak to her words that are going to save her life, that are going to heal her soul, that are going to give her identity, and I'm going to win her back in that place. Why couldn't God do that in a place of prosperity? Because there was no room. I'm sure of it. And I've given my life to it. That God is consistently speaking to you the words that you need in every season of your life. And every moment you go to, God is there speaking to you the things that you need. The question isn't whether or not God's in pursuit of you. The question is this, is there room for his voice? And so he looks at our lives and saying, I'm speaking, I'm speaking. I have what, I have what they need, what they're looking for. I, I, I want to give to them, but there's no room. And so what he does, he says, I'm going to draw you away from all of those things that have taken place in your heart. And so the things that once brought us joy no longer bring us joy. The things that once brought us security aren't working anymore. The relationship that you thought was everything at one point, God is saying, nope, I'm going to separate you from all of these things. Why? So that there can be a barren and open and empty space in your heart that I could fill once again with my love. God wins us back with his love. He's not saying, I'm going to control your life. You do what I want. He speaks tenderly to us. And he seduces us back. Why? Not so we could, with obligation, choose him, but without of love and compulsion for who he is, choose him. To God, I've given myself to other loves, but I've now found the greatest love of all. But it wasn't until you distracted me from all of those other things. And so what we have here is a wilderness. And that word wilderness becomes a buzzword within Christianity. That if we're in a season of confusion, we call it a wilderness season. A season of disobedience, we call it a wilderness season, right? And I think that's correct in many ways. We often think of wilderness seasons where God is not with us or that he's punishing us or that he's left us? Could it be in fact that God is actually drawing us into the wilderness? An empty space where there's a vacuum and the vacuum sucks in his word. You know, those moments when you speak to someone or maybe someone speaks to you and say, hey, how are you doing? Or you look beautiful today. Or, hey, so-and-so, such-and-such, and that person just bawls. You're like, what did I just say? What, what touched you? There's a space in that person's heart that was filled by your word and it brought healing to their soul. But it was in brokenness. It was in pain. It was in confusion that that word brought healing. Not the opposite. So God draws us out into a space where we now have room for his word and he starts to speak to us tenderly there. And then it says, I will make the valley of Achor into a door of hope. I love this language, and it just struck me this morning at about 10.30 before this service, which is why we're going off the cuff right now. I will make the valley of Achor into a door of hope. The valley of Achor, I've preached through this before. It was, it was named that because of a man named Achan. And Achan was a man who literally caused a failure caused Israel to lose a battle in war 
because he actually stole something. He went after some money that God said that he could not have. He did not trust in God. He trusted in provision. And because he took that money, they lost the war. And so that the valley where he did this was called the Valley of Achan, the Valley of Accor. It was defined. It was labeled because of his failure and his shame and all these things. And God says, I'm going to take that place, the place of failure, the place of rebellion, the place of choosing other things over God. I'm going to take that place in your history and change it into a door of hope. So God is saying, I'm going to place hope where there is no hope. God is not saying I'm going to solve every single one of your problems right now. But what he's saying is I'm going to give you hope right now where there was no hope. And a life filled with hope is a good life. Hope-filled anticipation. Remember Advent of the coming of Christ. Even though he's not here right now in the way we need him to be, he is coming. He will meet that need. He will come through in the way that he said. I will make the valley of Achor into a door of hope. This transition place, what, what was trouble before. Valley of Achor, sorry, means valley of trouble. What was trouble will now become hope. This threshold that we passed through that was defined one way is now defined another. I find that very interesting because it doesn't talk about a circumstantial change. It doesn't like... It doesn't talk about God answering every single one of your prayers. It talks about God reframing your situation. I need that to sink in for a moment. I love this word picture here. A door has a frame. And when God makes the valley of trouble in your life a door of hope, he actually reframes the picture for you. So what once looked like an empty place full of despair now looks like what was empty full of hope. That there was a void in my life that's now filled with hope. Let's take relationships into account for a moment. I'm single. I was listening on the podcast. I'm not actually single. I am married happily. I'm single. I need a, I need a spouse. I need a girlfriend. I need someone to fill that place. And it's driving me bonkers. It's ruining my life. Been there before? If I only had someone to fill that place, everything would go well. And so what do we do? We search for that place to be filled. But reframing this scenario says this. Yes, I am single, but I have so much hope that God is going to give me exactly who I need. So I'm not going to go looking around for someone to fill that place. I'm going to trust in him for it. God is going to change what was trouble into hope. This is what he wants to do. Door of hope. What's interesting, though, about a door is that it has three components to it. It has the inside if you're in a room. It has the outside, what, what, where you were and where you're going. But it has this middle point called a threshold. You're not on one side and you're not on the other. And I think that captures so brilliantly at times the state of our soul in our walk with Jesus. That God has given us a promise. We have yet not stepped into the fulfillment of that promise. This has been labeled as something called the dark night of the soul. Where yes, I've given my life to Jesus, but the manifestation of what I thought it would be hasn't happened yet. I've died to myself, but I'm not yet fully experiencing the life that he wants to give me. Has anybody been here before? I'm living this empty, this void, this 
wilderness space in my life and it's confusing the heck out of me. And every day I go on in this space, a little bit more hope leaves. A little bit more hope goes. It's what we call Holy Saturday, where Jesus died on Friday. It's like, okay, well, Jesus is dying. My best friend is gone and the hope of the world is dying. But he said he's going to come back. Right? The hope of the world is coming. He's going to rise again. So Friday he dies. And then we have this Saturday, this space in between, this threshold of a door where it's like, I actually don't know if he's going to come back. That I got a promise for healing in my life. And it's been two, three, four days, four, five months, four, five years. And it actually hasn't happened yet. Hope is starting to go away. We're living in that middle space, the dark night of the soul. But then on Sunday, the tomb was empty. That God is actually saying hope is something that you can actually have in the middle. That he's filling that space again with something because of the evidence on the other side of that space. That the tomb is empty, that God has risen, that he has come to this earth and stepped into our story and met us at every single need in his presence. This is what he's done. And so when we're in the middle of those wilderness seasons, that's where God's voice is healing to our soul. Where we can make it from trouble into hope because the space in between, this void where he detaches us from the things of life and we have not yet been attached to anything else is the space that he can reframe everything for us in our lives. How many of us are moving from relationship to relationship, addiction to addiction, scenario to scenario, filling my soul one way, then I lose that and I fill it another way instead of waiting in between to see and hear what God would say. We're filled and we have to fill again. And we have to fill again and we have to fill again instead of this beautiful sacred space that's filled with nothing that God wants to speak so tenderly to us in. See, we have the Hebrew word midbar as desert or void and barren space, this wilderland, this wild place that has nothing and nobody in it. And the Greeks translated that as eremos, not midbar, Eremos. And Eremos is exactly the same desert. It's wilderness, but it also is figurative. It means silence and it means solitude. That God would draw us into not just wilderness, defined as a barren and open space, but silence and solitude. It's the place where God wants to take us to speak to us. The question is, does it need God to draw us to that place or can we go to that place ourselves? To Jesus in Mark chapter 1, verse 35, it says that he left and went to Eremos. He went to the desert. He went to a wilderness place. He went himself to the place where God could speak to him. He knew that in the distractions and the pull of life, God was not able to speak to him in a way that he could when none of that was there. See, this is what Advent is. It's creating space in our hearts for the word of God. The, the thing, though, is that if you don't do it, he's going to do it. And in Hosea chapter 2, the word allure is an interesting word. We need to look at that quickly. Because allure implies that the, the woman or the wife or Israel is not very smart. 
that we actually don't know and we're not aware of what actually is happening in this moment, that God is taking us to a wilderness and we're freaking out about it because we have no clue where he's taking us, or in fact, if God is taking us himself. It just looks like a messed up and chaotic and a life without a hope. We don't know what's happening. So what we see in the comparison of these two scriptures is that's the place where God wants us to be. We either get there on our own volition or life takes us there. And God speak to us so tenderly at that place. And so Jesus went to Eremos. He went to the wilderness. He went to silence and solitude. This open space, this threshold between one day and the next. All this busy work and the next amount of busy work. And he says, I need to recuperate. I need to hear my father's voice. I need to be sustained again in this place. And guess what? I'm going to create the void in my life that can be filled by him. He's coming after us. We can say yes to it or we can resist and we can wait and we can be upset and we can be angry. And say, why don't I have all the things that I had in my life before? Why? Why, God, don't I have these things? And God's response to you is going to be the same every single time. Because I'm better. God wants to give you hope everlasting. He wants to fill your life with joy that's unspeakable. But what's required of that to happen is that we actually have to let go of the things that take the place that belong to him in our lives. That can be a painful journey or that can be a journey that you implement on your own. See, when God wanted to take Israel out of Egypt, where did he take them? To Midbar, to the desert. When he wanted to take them out of the rhythms that were in their life to bring them into a beautiful land, there was something in between that had to happen. This empty, this void place that looked like chaos. It looked like something uncontrolled. It wasn't tamed. But in that place, God provided like nothing else. God's voice was so available to them that God made water come from rocks in that place. Manna would come from heaven in that place. Provision like nothing else. It's this beautiful place that God wants to bring us to in our lives so that we then can hear the words that he wants to sustain our lives with. Is there anybody in this room that needs a touch from God that way? And what I would say to you through the scriptures, let go. Relent. Stop trying to control what it looks like to interact with God and let him move in your life in the emptiness in the void, in the uncertainty, in the unwillingness, because he wants to speak to you so tenderly there. I want to define this for you. The band can come back up and we're going to close. I want to define this for you. This, this space is called liminality. It's defined as liminality or uh, limier space, liminal space, I'm sorry. And I want to read a quote about this from Richard War. He says this. He says, There alone, in that threshold, in that middle space, our old world is left behind, while we are not yet sure of the new existence. This is the sacred space where the old world is able to fall apart, 
and a bigger world is revealed. If we don't encounter this liminal space in our lives, we start idealizing normalcy. We want things to remain the way they are. And our grasp on that, that's so tight, will not allow us to move into the beauty that God has in our future. The threshold of God's waiting room, it's called. Here we are taught openness and patience as we come to expect an appointment with the divine doctor. Here's what's key. Is that all transformation takes place here. It's the baking of the cake. You've prepared something and you can't wait to eat it. But there's this middle place that you can do nothing about. But it needs to happen so the transformation from what you prepared to what you can eat can take place. God has provided this to us in the desert, in the wilderness. We can enjoy this season. We can have it fill us with hope or we can wait till God shows up in a powerful way that is most usually unpleasant. It's brokenness. It's me on my floor sobbing before him saying, God, my life is so jacked up. And God is like, finally, you're reaching out for me in this space. Finally, you're allowing me to fill this space with hope. God in his goodness, wooing his wife back away from other lovers, creates this space in her life that can now be filled with what means the most to her, even though she did not know it. All transformation takes place here. We have to allow ourselves to drown out business as usual and remain patiently in the threshold where we are betwixt and between the familiar and the completely unknown. God wants to speak into the unknown of your life. God wants to fill it with hope again. God wants to reveal himself in a way that you never could understand or comprehend. And it's in that revealing and it's in that speaking that the greatest days of your life are to come. And so today and in this Christmas season, as we lean into Advent, God's going to get our heart one way or another. He's after his children. He's after his bride, the church. We can separate from the normalcy of life and the rhythms of it like Jesus did. After he crushed it in ministry, he went to the Eremos. He went to the sacred space and it was there that God spoke to him. Or we can be like Israel and have our fingers pried from everything that we have held on to in life so that God can then get an open hand. Some of us, that takes days. Some of us, it takes weeks. Some of us, it takes years. And some of us do not relent. We hold on tighter and tighter and tighter. But today, God wants you to release your grip from what you think is normal. Stand in the place of awkwardness. Stand in the place of unknown. Stand in the place of I thought I had it figured out, but there's a lot more mystery than I thought. And allow God to meet you in that place of mystery and speak to you, whisper you to you so tenderly that it changes your life forevermore. How many of us are willing to stop controlling what things look like? 
and living our life with preconceived ideas and notions about how things should be. And trust the one who created us to walk us into the unknown. The beautiful thing about being blind is that you can't lead yourself. And if I survey my life, all 31 years of it, I would say that I'm pretty blind to lead myself. That I've walked into too many walls in my life. I've tried too many things and they've failed. And so I have to realize that I can't see as good as I think I can. And so instead of trying to convince myself that I have great eyesight, I say, God, I, I don't have great eyesight. I can't see what you want me to see. Therefore, I relent, I give up, and I allow you now to give me sight and lead me the way that you want me to lead, to go in life. Thanks for listening to the Church Untitled podcast. Be sure to subscribe to stay up to date on our latest messages. For more about what's happening in our community, follow us on social media or visit us at churchuntitled.com.